We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace be upon his children. No matter what circumstance you are brought into this sanctuary, God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace upon you and those that you love. Second Timothy 4, for the final time. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for me to leave. I have fought the good fight for my Lord. I have finished the race for God. I have kept the faith in him. And now there is stored up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who love his appearing. God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace. PNC Bank the other day, right around the corner. I was going into the bank and then I saw him out in the parking lot and he was moving so slowly, just shuffling along, an ancient man with his cane. And I stood there for two or three minutes holding the door until he came. And he said, thank you, young man. And he went in and I went in and And we exited about the same time, and I saw him coming from the counter, and once again I stood there for a while, holding the door for him. And as he walked out, he said, there's not a lot of us World War II veterans left. And I said, oh my goodness, if you don't mind my asking how old are you, he said, 97, 97. And I walked with him to his car and I helped him get in and I said, 97 and you're still driving. (laughs) And he said, without a smile on his face, he said, much to the chagrin of my children. (laughs) And then he said, as I closed the door for him, I'm about to finish my race. And I just kind of shuddered because that's what I'm preaching on. I am about to finish the race, my goodness gracious. I want to talk about uh, fighting good fights. I want to talk about drink offerings. And I want to talk about finishing lines. I mentioned John Wesley last week the great leader of the Methodist people. They asked him to explain when his Methodist settlers were being slaughtered, when a great persecution was occurring. They asked John Wesley, can you tell us why your people have such enormous spiritual strength? Why they have such a tenacious faith? And John Wesley said about his dear people, He said, our people die well if they have to. 
And they cannot die well unless they live well. And they cannot live well unless they are focused soul, mind, body, and spirits upon their God and his Son, Jesus Christ. Our people die well if they need to because they have lived well. I mentioned another spiritual leader last week. All of us can be spiritual leaders, can we not? Every single one of us, not just ministers here in the pulpit, but every single one of us can be spiritual leaders. I don't care if you're 15 years of age and a freshman at some high school. I don't care if you're 19 years of age and belong to some fraternity. I don't care if you've taken the same commuter train for the last 17 years. You can be a great spiritual leader. Tom Zordani with the motorcycle men that he hangs around. He's a great spiritual leader amongst them. Dr. Heyer, before he retired here last night, he was a great spiritual leader as a doctor in the places that God had him serve. Sir Wilkening, who battles Parkinson's disease now, she was a great spiritual leader in that place where God appointed her to work, where the air was always blue with the words and the stories that came out. But by the time the spiritual leader called Sue Wilkening had finished her work, it was a very, very different place. And people would come up to her and say, it is you who have made the difference here. And she would say, no, 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 no. Not me, God himself. Not me, God. Devin Hester was a great spiritual leader. You say Baloney played for the Chicago Bears. How could he be a great spiritual leader? I'll tell you why he's a great spiritual leader. Because you understood very, very quickly whenever you talked to Devin Hester, whenever they put a microphone in front of his face, you understood that his belief concerning living well had nothing to do with his multi-million dollar contract, had nothing to do with what I suppose was a great mansion up there in Lake Forest someplace, and it had nothing to do with all of the trophies he had on his wall, all of the records he set, as you remember, running back kickoffs for the Chicago Bears. If you ask Devin Hester what living well was, he would point you straight to Jesus Christ, the one who died on that cross. You see, Devin Hester lived well because he was focused. I, heart, mind, spirit, soul. He was focused on God and on his son, Jesus Christ. Sue Wilkening was not all wrapped up in her work. She is all wrapped up in Jesus. Dr. Mike Heyer was not all wrapped up in his work. He was all wrapped up in Jesus. Devin Hester was not all wrapped up in football. He was all wrapped up in Jesus Christ, his Lord and his Savior. I don't know if you've heard of John Bingham. If you've ever run marathons, you've heard of John Bingham. He was a marathon runner. He was a motivational writer for those who ran the long race. He said, the first step I ever take in a marathon, I know that somewhere out there, there is a finish line. 
Whether I'm running in Boston or Chicago or London or Barcelona or any other place on the planet, I know there is a finish line. It's a good principle. Finish line. In two weeks you start high school. Finish line is four years. In two weeks you start college. Your finish line, your parents would hope, is four years, but most likely be seven or eight. My son had a t-shirt years ago. It said, best years of my life, the eight years I spent in college. Finish lines. For every job that is represented here in this sanctuary, there's a finish line. Average American works for seven years at some job, and then he moves on to a different job. If you're on the football team, your finish line is about eight weeks. Finish line for life. That dear old gentleman this past week, he said, I'm about ready to finish my race. My dear mother, two weeks ago, she sang, I hope I was a good mother. I hope I was a good wife. This week she said, I hope I have been a good servant of his on this earth. It has turned from family to her relationship with others because of whom she believes him. Finish lines. How many years do you have left? Do you have five? Do you have ten? Do you have forty years? Sixty years? Average American in, a, in 1930 lived 63 years. Average American now, 81 to 87 years. For every activity you're involved in, the small group you belong to, the choir that you sing in, uh, there's a finish line. The board that you serve on, the country club you belong to, finish line. The house you live in, the apartment, the condo, There's a finish line. We have appointments with them. Summer is coming to an end. I would suppose in a couple of weeks we'll see a few more people in church. Summer is coming to an end, a finish line. Paul, as he approached the ultimate finish line, his death, although Paul would have been the first to say... It's not a finish line, it's a starting line. Bravo. Philippians 1.21, I have an intense desire to depart and be with my Lord. That'd be the best thing. But I gotta stick around uh, for a little while for your sake. Now he's down to a couple of weeks left in his life. There's no more sticking around. His finish line was approaching. If you had interviewed people about the Apostle Paul, someone had said, I loved him. Some would have said, I hate him. Some would have said, he's the most humble man I've ever met. Others would have said, he's the most arrogant man I've ever met. It mattered not to him. The only thing that mattered to him was the epitaph that he wrote. He said, the only thing that matters to me is him. And I did whatever I could for him. 1 Corinthians 9, 19, I am a free man and a servant of no one, but I am a chameleon. I become what is necessary. To the Jew, I was like a Jew. To the Gentiles, like a Gentile. 
I become all things to all men so that I might win as many as possible for the kingdom. I have been poured out like a drink offering. What's a drink offering? I spoke about it briefly last week. Drink offering was something that people could pour around the base of the altar to conclude their sacrifice. But more likely, the drink offering mentioned in Leviticus 23, major and minor festivals of the Israelites, drink offering was something that an individual poured on the sacrifice that was burning. When a worshiper brought an offering, a pigeon, a dove, a lamb, the law stipulated that part of it was burned on the altar, part of it was given to the priest. And when the offering was consumed by fire, an individual would take a cup of wine and they would pour it on the sacrifice. It wasn't required by the law, it was something they did. And there was one purpose for doing it. When you poured the wine on the burning ashes, all of a sudden uh, there was a sweet smell that would rise up from the altar. When David says in one of his psalms that an individual was a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God, he was talking about that individual being a drink offering poured out to God. Sweet Smelling sacrifice. You poured wine on that burning sacrifice. You didn't smell death. You didn't smell dead animals. And you didn't smell blood. That aroma from the wine touching the burning coals produced a sweet smell in that sanctuary. And when the Apostle Paul said, I'm being poured out like a drink offering, he is saying this. I hope my life made a difference wherever God put me. I hope the place that I was at was a more sanctified place because I sought to serve him. And he was also saying, when I die this death in a short time, my death will be a drink offering Poured out to God. I will be a witness to God when I die. Jesus, when the Roman soldiers came for him, he made it very clear. He said, Judas Iscariot is not taking my life from me by his betrayal. Herod is not taking my life from me. Pontius Pilate is not taking my life from me. Scribes and Pharisees are not taking my life from me. Roman soldiers who have come, uh, they are not taking my life. I lay it down on my own accord. I could call angels down and wipe out everybody. I'm laying it down on my own accord. And the Apostle Paul, when he's about to meet his death as a martyr, he is saying the Judaizers are not taking my life. And Nero is not taking my life. The Roman soldiers who lead me to my execution aren't taking my life. I am laying it down in my own accord. As I have lived for my Lord, so I shall die for my Lord. 
And when I die for him, from my lips will come my witness concerning him. My question to you is this. Is your life a drink offering poured out to God? That's what my mama was talking about. It's no longer was I a good mother. It's no longer was I a good wife. Do you think I was a good wife, Paul? Do you think I was a good mother to you? Now it's no longer about us, about him. Was my life a drink offering? Every parish I was ever in, every sewing club I was ever in, every altar guild I was ever in, was it different because I was there? Tom Zordani tells his stories about his motorcycle people. Tells them all the time. They know who he is and who he serves. And some of them come up privately and talk with them because they don't want the others to know that they're interested in this. Tom Zordani is a drink offering poured out to God. If you know Mike Heyer at all, now retired, if you know Mike Heyer at all, you know that that man, wherever God had him, whatever hospital, whatever person bumped into him, you know that he was a drink offering poured out to God. Sue Wilkening, drink offering poured out to God. What about me? What about you? Drink offering. I've mentioned Loretta Gliggy before. 95 years of age, under hospice care for seven years, and we always joked about that. She said, I'm still under hospice care seven years later. She would say to me, I don't do much. And then uh, 30 seconds later, she would say, I pray for people all the time, and I pray for you, Pastor, every time, every day. And I always got goosebumps when she said it because I know how important is prayer for protection and for other things. And those who worked with Loretta Gliggy, they absolutely understood who she served. 95 years of age, bedridden in a nursing facility. And that dear lady, she was a drink offering poured out to God. Does Carl Sandburg smell better because you're there as a junior or senior in high school? Does it smell better? Does the football locker room, does it smell better because you're there? At the gym all the time, their words come out, and all of a sudden, if they see me standing there, they say, sorry, Father. <laughs> then I know they're Catholic, and some of them say, sorry, Pastor. Is the place where you're at different? I looked at this elderly gentleman shuffling in the parking lot, and I didn't think too much except, you know, God be with him as he traverses this parking lot. And as soon as he mentioned World War II veteran, everything changed for me. He put a label upon himself, and it touched my heart. Do they know that you're a veteran in God's kingdom?
Does it change the train, the job, the neighborhood, the family that you've married into? Does it change your space because you are actually a drink offering poured out to him? My last point is fighting the good fight. Finish lines, drink offerings, fighting the good fight. I read one time in a book many, many years ago that legend says about this Apostle Paul, it says he was four feet ten inches tall, he had crippling rheumatoid arthritis, scoliosis, a deformed body, a disease of the eyes, but it wasn't just his body. He describes his life as a Christian. I mentioned it last week. The whippings, the stonings, the months spent in prison, all of those things, ten verses worth. And he says when suffering came, I look at Romans 5, 8, he says, excuse me, Romans 5, 3, he said when suffering came, it produced perseverance in me. Perseverance in my faith in God, because all of a sudden this suffering was challenging my faith. It produced perseverance. And this perseverance in my faith in God produced character in me. I became a different person, because in the midst of my suffering, God was hand in hand with me. And then he said, perseverance and character and hope. I never knew what hope was until I had no hope. And then I knew what hope was. Because God came and gave me hope. Fight the good fight against Satan. Fight the good fight against evil. Fight the good fight against peer pressure. You're going to bump into it in a couple of weeks. Fight the good fight against paganism, against addictions, against sin, against the urge to get off God's path. Fight the good fight when fear and worry try and creep in and take over your life. Fight the good fight against shame and guilt and doubt and low self-esteem. Fight the good fight against the effects of prolonged abuse when you were growing up or prolonged abuse in the marriage before God got you out. Fight the good fight against temptation. I'll not let these things destroy me, nor my family, nor my faith in God. James 4, 7, resist Satan. The fights that he constantly brings into your life, resist him. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. That's all. Fight good fights. You know who stands in your corner. Let your life be a drink offering. The place where you are smells better because you serve him. And understand, not with sorrow, understand there is a finish line for everything that we're ever involved in. There is a finish line. And when my mom or any of us come to that finish line, not a finishing line whatsoever. It is the beginning of the first day forever with our Lord. In his powerful name, 
Amen. Would you rise as we pray? One step at a time, hand in hand with my Lord and my Savior. One step at a time, sometimes shuffling like the man in the parking lot, sometimes crawling, sometimes running. One step at a time, hand in hand with the one who walks with me, even in the valley of the shadow of death. One step at a time, hand in hand with him, my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.